Thanks for joining us on the Authentic Church Podcast. Let's jump right into this week's message. Here goes nothing. Here goes nothing. It's a, it's a statement that we say when we're unsure about an outcome. Here goes nothing. It's a statement we might say when maybe before we take that first step, we're kind of certain that the outcome, the end result is going to be certain failure. We just don't know. Here goes nothing. Like if I, if I were to attempt to crowd surf right now, hoping that maybe the first or second row would catch me, I'd probably say, here goes nothing. Should we try it? You see what happens? No, we don't need that documented, right? We don't need that. Hello. Um, here goes nothing. Here goes nothing. Something that we say when we're just unsure about an outcome, or maybe that outcome will end in certain failure. And we have this writing in Ecclesiastes from King Solomon. And Ecclesiastes, I'll have to admit, it's, it's not the most encouraging book of the Bible. You just don't see many Ecclesiastes verses in like weight rooms, you know, or on your coffee table in your grandma's living room. You just, you don't see many because Ecclesiastes, it's really, it's a case study. It's a writing from Solomon at the end of his life. And he's just frustrated and he's venting and he's processing out loud. He's going, I've had it all. I've seen it all and nothing makes sense. Everything is nonsense. And I'm so perplexed by his writings because King Solomon in his day was the wisest, richest king of that time. Not just the wisest, richest man, but a king, the king of Israel and, and the nation of Israel had never been more prosperous under the rule of King Solomon. I mean, from my vantage point, he had it going on, but he's coming to the end of his life and he's going, everything's nonsense. Nothing makes sense. I've had it all. I've seen it all. And I can't make sense of it. The wisest, richest man. This is how this came to be. God came to Solomon in a dream. Y'all just wrapped up a series on dreams and visions. That's right. I'm watching you online. I'm stalking you secretly. You, you, just, you just wrapped up this series on dreams and visions. God came to Solomon in a dream. He says, Solomon, ask me for anything. Anything you want, Solomon, I'll give it to you. How many of y'all want to have that dream? Please. Yes, God, tonight. I'll eat some extra dominoes, go to sleep, and you and I, we can have a conversation. Please, God. And he could have asked God for anything, everything that this life had to offer, and yet he asked God for wisdom. God, give me wisdom. And God said, bless you, Solomon. You could have asked for anything else, but because you asked for wisdom, I'll give you power, and I'll give you status, and I'll give you riches because you first asked for wisdom. The wisest man, the richest man of his time, and yet he's frustrated, and he's processing out loud. Nothing makes sense. How is it that the wisest man can't make sense of this life? I mean, his wisdom was sometimes scandalous. There's this story in the Bible where two women come to Solomon, and they have one baby, and they're arguing over who's the real mom. And so they come in and, and they're arguing and they're fighting. I'm the mom. No, I'm the mom. And everyone's like, what are we going to do? We got to get Maury Povich in here and do a DNA test. Like, what's going to happen? How's this going to result in something good? And Solomon just steps forward in his wisdom and his confidence, knowing where he's taking this situation. He says, hey, give me the baby. Let me tell you what I'm going to do. This is in the Bible, for real. He says, 
I'm going to cut the baby in half. I'm going to give you a piece. I'm going to give you a piece. And then you both can have a piece of the baby. Knowing that the real mom would speak up and say, no, 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 no. Because she would rather see her baby go with the wrong person than be killed. And when she spoke up, Solomon said, okay, here you go, mom. Y'all can go home now. Maybe he said, y'all. I don't know if he was Southern, but we'll just pretend like Solomon was Southern. You can go home now. Wisdom. The wisest richest man he's like i had it all i've seen it all i've accomplished everything everything this life has to offer i've had it i've attained it i've caught it and yet i'm at the end of my life and it's all nonsense nothing makes sense why do we have this writing from solomon why do we have this case study what can we understand and what can we What can we gain from Ecclesiastes, this unconventional wisdom that he's bringing to us? What is it that Solomon's looking for? If he's had it all, if he's seen it all, if he's accomplished it all, what is it that he's needing above everything else? What is he looking for? He's desperate for meaning. Meaning. And his life is the proof. It's the evidence that material does not produce meaning. Everything that I can gain from this life, everything this world has to offer, material does not produce meaning. I've had it all. I've seen it all. And yet I still haven't obtained meaning. Meaning. I know it might be hard to believe, but there was once a time where I had the ability to dunk a basketball. 20 years ago. I don't know why you're laughing at that, why you don't believe that. Now I just buy shoes that are meant to dunk a basketball in. So even though I possess the material, it doesn't mean that I have the ability. Material does not produce meaning. Solomon is desperate for meaning. And he's going, everything's nonsense. Nothing makes sense. Can you put that scripture back up on the screen? Ecclesiastes 1. I wonder, I wonder if there's more to this passage than just what we see on the surface. I really, I really wonder if through Solomon's frustration, through his writings, if there's something that we can learn from this case study. Because it's the word of God. It's alive. It's active. It has the ability to perform surgery on our hearts if we'll let it. What, what if Solomon is onto something here? that we could miss so easily if we just don't take some time to understand what he's really saying. If, if everything is nonsense, like he's saying, I've had it all, I've seen it all, I've accomplished it all, and it's all nonsense, well then maybe, just maybe, authentic church, what if, what if nothing, everyone say nothing, what if nothing, what if that actually makes sense? Like, what if nothing is something. What if we went from a pursuit of everything to a posture and a perspective of nothing? What if nothing makes sense? What if it is actually something? Nothing. Here goes nothing. Can I go a little deeper? Can I unpack this for you a little bit? Because some of you are like, I don't know. I'm not sure about this, Pastor Chad. Let me go a little deeper. Luke 5 Luke 5, verses 4 through 5. 
So you've got Peter and his boys. They're fishermen, right? And they've been out all night fishing. And they come back in, and they're frustrated, and they're upset. Why? Because they've got nothing to show for it. And Jesus rolls up on Peter and his boys seeing the catch. He wants to see the catch that they brought in, and they've got nothing. And and here's what it says. In Luke 5, it says, when he stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered to him and said, master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. We've worked all night. We've given everything we've got and we caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Here goes nothing. What if nothing is something today? Jesus says, I want you to go back out. We've caught nothing. Yeah. Jesus is about to build his ministry. He's about to establish his church and he needs to build a team. He needs some people around him, which is a whole nother sermon in and of itself. If Jesus needs support, if Jesus needed a team around him, who are we to think we can do this all by ourselves? That's why we have the church. That's why we're here today. That's why it's so important to get connected and find community because you were never designed to do this by yourself. And Jesus is the example of that. So he's like, I got to build a team. I need some people around me that can help establish this ministry, bring my kingdom from heaven, bring it here on earth. And so he's conducting interviews. He's taking applications. He needs some experts. He needs some people who are qualified. He needs some people who are experienced. He needs, wait a minute, fishermen? I mean, if I'm building a team and I'm about to rock the world with the message of the gospel and the message of grace and truth, I got to be real. I don't think fishermen would have been my first choice because these guys have been fishing all night. They got nothing to show for it. And I'm asking the question, why is Jesus wasting his time with someone who has nothing? What if nothing makes sense? What if there's something to nothing? And so Jesus shows up. He's like, let me see the catch. And they're like, yeah, what catch? Nothing there. Why is Jesus wasting his time? And then he says, go back out and cast again. Why? Because was this about to see if Peter could actually catch fish? Like, was Jesus really making it about, if you can catch fish, then you can be on my team? No. This wasn't about fish. This was about faith. This is about faith. It's not about some outcome. It's not about some result. It's about obedience. Because I said so, Peter, because I said so, will you go out on my word? And that's it. Will you trust me? Or are you too caught up in the outcome? Are you too caught up in the possibility of failure? Because we love, we love Romans 8, 28, don't we? We love that verse. God is working for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. We love it. God, you're working on my behalf. You've got an outcome. You've got a destination for me. You've got the prize for me to obtain, and I can't wait to walk in what you're working, God. But here's the thing that I've realized. When it comes up to defining and determining the plan of God and the purpose for our life, guess what, church? That's not our job. It says that he's working. It's his work. He'll do it in his timing and in his way, but it's not up to me to try to determine, God, what it's going to look like. Because in my limited thinking, in my limited ability, I don't want to limit the purpose of God in my life. 
whatever he's working, do you know our job? You know our purpose? You know our calling? It's the verse right after Romans 8, 28. It's Romans 8, 29. It says this, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be, here it is, conformed to the image of his son. My calling, your calling, our purpose is to be conformed to the character of Christ. So while God is working, and he will, it's my job to allow my faith in him, my trust in him, my dependence in him to continue to grow, to continue to mature. God, I'm trusting that the outcome is in your hand. Whatever it is, God, you're going to work it, and I'll trust you in the process. This wasn't, this wasn't about fish. This was about faith. This wasn't about an outcome. It was about obedience. And Jesus is going, are you willing, are you willing to look foolish for me? Because Jesus says, go back out. Jesus everybody's coming back in. This is not the time to go back out. This is not the time to go fishing. And all of the data and all of the education we have on the right time to go fishing, Jesus, that time is past. That time is over. If we go out, we're going to look foolish to everyone else. Jesus is like, yeah, because sometimes faith looks foolish. Are you willing to look foolish for me, to trust me, to depend on me? Sometimes faith looks foolish. And we are so unwilling to look foolish, aren't we? We got to make it look like every aspect of my life is solid and secure and I got it figured out and I'm in control. I can't look foolish. Jesus is saying, are you willing to though? Because I might have something for you if you'll just trust me. Are you willing to look foolish? And the last part in this passage that I love in Luke 5, we have to realize what Jesus didn't say. Sometimes we read the Bible, we only read it for what it's saying. Well, what about what it's not saying? Jesus didn't say, hey, you know what, Peter? I know it's been a long night. And so why don't you go get some new nets? The ones you've been fishing with, they're old, they're smelly, they're a little crunchy. Why don't you get rid of those? Let's get some new nets, okay? And then there's a new spot that I've heard about on the Sea of Galilee. It's a honey hole. It's amazing. Let's go to that new spot. No, he didn't say that. He didn't say that. He said, I want you to get the same nets that you caught nothing with, and I want you to go to the same spot where there was nothing. I want you to go right back there. What's the place of nothing for you? What's the place of nothing that God is calling you to go back to today? Where you think there's nothing left. God, there's nothing... There's nothing worth fighting for. There's nothing there, God. Are you sure? Here goes nothing. What's the place of nothing for you? What's your nothing today? And this is where I have to let the Holy Spirit do his work. Because I'm sure in a setting like this, many people, many stories represented. I don't know what it is for you, but I believe that right now the Holy Spirit is revealing what you've given up on where you think there's nothing left. It's over, Chad. It's done. And you're telling me to go back to the place of nothing? Yeah. Because that's where God works. That's where he works. I believe it's in the place of nothing 
where there's finally enough space for God to come in and do what he's planned on doing. What's your place of nothing? You know, God messed me up a while ago. I was, um, I was actually preparing uh, to preach a sermon a while back. And I was, I was working at a, a church at the time, and I was pastoring at a campus. And Tuesdays were always the day where none of, none of the staff were at this campus. We would all go to a different location, and all the staff from the church would meet on Tuesdays. So I never go to the office on Tuesdays because there's nothing going on. So there's no reason for me to be there. And yet this particular Tuesday, I reached out to my supervisor. I said, hey, would you mind if I just stayed at the campus, at the office, because I got this sermon I got to prepare and I could really get a lot done with no distractions, with nothing going on. They said, yeah, absolutely. So I show up to the office on Tuesday. No one's around, nothing's happening, and I'm never there on a Tuesday. But I'm working on a sermon and I'm getting into God's word and he's showing me revelation and I'm spending time in his presence and it's great. And I start to, to write some things down and, and I love where he's taking it and lunch happens. And so I go get some food because I'm, I'm nothing if I don't have food in my stomach. I come back and I, and I go to get right back to work. Everything I gotta do, everything I need to get done and I get a message on my phone. A message comes through and I check it and it's an individual who had attended that location that I was pastoring at at the time. They'd attended a couple times. I knew who they were. And it was someone from my vantage point, from my perspective, when I looked at them in their life, to me, they had everything. Everything this life has to offer, they had it, everything. But they reach out to me and they say, I just need you to pray for me. I feel, I feel like I got nothing left. And so I reached back out and I said, hey, yeah, I'll, I'll be praying for you. I sent him a verse from Romans 15, one of my favorite prayers and, you know, said, let me know if you need anything, I'll be here for you. And I put the phone down and I went right back to everything that I needed to do, everything that I needed to get done because I'm under a deadline. You know, I gotta preach and, and people are depending on me to bring everything I got. And if I don't bring a good word, people might be disappointed and that they're disappointed in me. They might resent God for it and then they'll die and go to hell and everything will be on me. So I gotta have everything ready, everything. I walked away from what appeared to be nothing and the Holy Spirit convicted me through the voice of my wife thankful for my wife and she said why don't you reach back out and just offer to have a phone call or you're here there's there's nothing going on no one's here at the office you know where they live he's right down the road just invite him to come out have a conversation okay here goes nothing so I messaged him back I said hey you want to talk you want to come by we can talk he said yep I'll be there in an hour okay he comes in and he just proceeds to unload everything that's going on. And I got nothing left, Chad. I got, I got nothing to show for it. And I'm lost and I feel alone. And he said, I don't, I don't want to do this on my own anymore. I can't do this on my own. I said, well, have you ever made Jesus Lord and Savior of your life? He said, no. 
and said, do you want to? He said, yes. And right there on a Tuesday afternoon at 3.30 when nobody was around and nothing was supposed to be going on, I got to lead that person to Christ. I got to pray with him. But here's the thing. I almost missed it, church. I almost missed it because of everything I had to do. Everything that I thought was so important, I almost missed it because I was so focused on the temporary, I almost missed the opportunity to impact someone's eternity. Listen, there's a whole lot more to this life than everything it has to offer. And so often, God will interrupt our everything with what looks like a nothing so he can finally have space to move in our life. God can do more with nothing than I could ever do with everything. And my question today is, are you willing to move on a nothing? Are you willing to go back to the place of nothing? Are you waiting for everything to make sense, everything to go your way? Listen, we serve a God who works in the nothing. He spoke into nothing and the heavens and the earth were created. He took a man who had nothing but a staff in his hand and he used him to deliver his people from over 400 years of captivity and they stood before the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army. Everything was chasing them down but he took what was nothing and he stretched it out and God parted the Red Sea and his people went free. Joshua and the children of Israel, they marched around the city walls of Jericho for seven days saying nothing. They didn't say a word in the on the seventh day, the walls came down and God's people took the city. There was a shepherd boy, a shepherd boy who was considered to be nobody and nothing, but he took what was nothing and he used it to do something and he defeated the giant that was before him and God's people were victorious. Mary was a girl who had done nothing with anybody and God took his son and he placed it inside of her and Jesus was born and people said, this is the savior of the world. This is Jesus. This is a baby. This looks like nothing but then Jesus grew in wisdom and in favor and in stature with God and with man and it says in Philippians 2 rather he made himself nothing Jesus made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance of a man he humbled himself by becoming obedient even to death on a cross and Jesus died and it looked like everything that Jesus had accomplished everything that he had done it looked like it was all for nothing but guess what we know the story three days later he got up out of that tomb and now there's nothing in the grave and God gave him the name that is above every name God works in the nothing come on can we stand up in this place and give Jesus the praise that he deserves he's a God who works in the nothing he works in the nothing here goes nothing here goes nothing I often wonder if there would have been fish in the boat when Jesus showed up all of Peter's accomplishments all of his accolades all of his rewards could be a whole different story but because it was empty because there was nothing Jesus said yeah now there's space for me and some of us were so afraid to go back to that place of nothing 
you got to understand something. You've got everything in your boat today. You've got a heavenly father who loves you and is with you. If you'll trust him, if you'll go to that place today, say, here goes nothing. God, it's in your hands. Why wouldn't we trust God? He performed the greatest here goes nothing of them all. He knew that the creation of you and the creation of me, he knew that it would cost him everything. It would cost him his son because he knew we were gonna sin. He knew that we would fall. And yet he said, here goes nothing. And he created us anyways. And he gave us a plan and he gave us a purpose. Here goes nothing. Are you willing to move on a nothing today? Because that's where God works. That's where he resides in the place where there's space for his spirit. God's saying today, now that you've moved on to nothing, there's room for me to do everything I plan to do in your life. Some of us today, we're just, we're trying to catch a breath and we feel like in the pursuit of everything that this life has to offer, we're running out of breath. But Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, there's another translation where he says, everything is futile. Everything is futile. And that word futile, it means, it means breath. Here it comes, there it goes. It's breath, it's here, and then it's gone. And we're all running out of breath today, just chasing after what this world has to offer. But there's another breath. There's another breath that's talked about from the very beginning in Genesis chapter two, where it says, then the Lord God formed the man from the dust, from nothing. He formed the man from nothing, the dust of the ground, and he, he breathed his breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Would you let God, let him breathe into your life today? Let him breathe into your situation into your marriage, into that relationship, and whatever doctor's report you've received, would you just let God, let him breathe because that breath that he breathed long ago, it's still breathing today. It's still continuing. It's still sustaining us. Let God breathe into your life today. Let him breathe and watch how he'll work. Here goes nothing. Listen, I know stories specifically from this place I talked to an individual before the 9.30, when this place was a club, when it seemed like there was no point, there was nothing it could provide other than darkness and evil. And I was talking to someone earlier, he said, I got arrested right outside those doors 20 years ago because I was gone, I was lost, I was wasted. But wouldn't you know it, God takes something that looks like nothing and he can put a church right in the middle of a city where his light and his hope can go forth if his people would just be willing to move on a nothing. Would you lift your hands in this place today in a posture of surrender, close your eyes to tune out any distractions. Nothing more needs to be said. Nothing more needs to be illustrated. Just say, God, here I am. God, I'm nothing without you. So would you do everything you've been planning to do in my life? Come on, sing it out. Let's worship him in this place today. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you've been blessed by this message, be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss future messages. And if you feel led to give to this ministry, 
Check out the link in the description and see the other ways you can get connected.